0: I think that a different kind of learning can be very, very valuable, especially for kids who struggle in school because they often feel very unsuccessful and not confident in their ability to learn and grow because they're getting a lot of negative feedback, sometimes for some kids repeatedly for many, many years So to give them an opportunity that better fits their learning style or their interests is a place where they can shine and grow in their own way.
1: As a parent, you may have a dream in your mind of what your teen's post-high school path will look like. And for some families, if their teen begins to struggle during high school, it can feel like that dream is dead. But that doesn't have to be the case. My guest, Scotty Weintraub, believes every kid is amazing and deserves to succeed. She supports and empowers parents of struggling students to reframe and rethink the road ahead so that both you and your teen will thrive. I'm Lisa Marker-Robbins, and I want to welcome you to College and Career Clarity, a Flourish coaching production. Let's dive right in to a great conversation. Scotty, welcome. Hi, Lisa, it's such a pleasure to be here today. Oh, I'm really happy that you're joining us because I think this is a really common problem. And I also know that for families who are dealing with parents struggling, the kids struggling, it can be hard to talk to others about, especially other parents. So let's talk first, kind of identify, you talk about like, kids who struggle. And I know you really serve kindergarten through 12th grade families. But when we're talking about those that are in high school, and the teens beginning to struggle, what are some of those struggles that you see happening that you support families through? Well, it can be a
0: wide range. As you can imagine, there are a lot of things that kind of become roadblocks to a teenager as they are in Sometimes it's that they are having trouble with school academically for the first time. But just fine in elementary school, even in middle school. But when the academics start really ratcheting up in terms of difficulty and time spent outside of school, that can be the point where some students start to struggle. Sometimes there are undiagnosed learning disabilities or ADHD that maybe. Those students have been doing a really good job of finding work or masking. That's a word that we like to use, which just means that you are able to manage it to a certain degree that makes it look like you don't have a problem.
1: Yeah. You know what? I also, I was a classroom teacher at the junior high and high school level from 91 to 99. So a very long time ago and a lot has changed in the world and in education. But one of the things that I always noticed was when kids are younger, elementary and middle school, there's a lot of help of loving teachers who just want to help and support. And they're doing helps that are not necessarily dictated by a 504 or an IEP, just out of the goodness of their heart. And then when kids get to high school, it's not that the high school teachers are heartless, but they're no longer maybe on a team or a a co-teaching team. And they're not getting as much of that. And that's sometimes then when the stuff starts to pop out, like the problem was already there, that they had support, right? Yeah, they were getting the
0: informal accommodations that they needed to succeed. And I think you're right that I don't think high school students are doing it in a negative way, but they have a lot of students. I and mean, you see new students every hour or hour now on what their schedule looks like. and so. That can be difficult just to juggle all of those different kids and their different needs, whereas, you know, in elementary school when you a one teacher who sees the same students every day, that lends itself uh, to the teacher also knowing the student more intimately or knowing what they need and helping meet that more naturally. So that can be a struggle in high school. I think, as by the time students get to high school, sometimes there is a better expectation That a student should be at a particular Mm -hmm. level in terms of self-management, time management, yeah, executive functioning, but But some students just are not there yet. And I always like to say that just because they're not there yet doesn't mean they went there. They just might not be there at the moment. So I think the key is really trying to meet Mm kids where they're at instead of expecting them to be where their friends are or some of their peers happen to be.
1: Yeah. You know, I had a previous guest on and we had talked about like the difference between being college capable and college ready. And, you know, that's a big difference because they are going to leave our homes. My youngest is a senior in college now, and they're going to leave our homes and have to be out there doing all that self-management. So when you see a falling apart in high school, then I know a lot of parents just start to go like, oh, we're not going to be able to do this. Yes, I think that there's panic even. (laughs) Yeah,
0: worry, but also panic. You you see in high school, you see that runway getting shorter and shorter. And if your child is not ready to apply to college, for instance, or isn't doing the independent research that they need to do, that can be a little disheartening. I think it's important, though. To keep in mind that, as I mentioned before, every kid comes to it at their own timeline. And I've learned this one the hard way. My, my 17 year old has always been the kid who will do things on his own timeline. So trying to rush that is a- <laughs> in our family, but it's also that, you know, we are not up a- close. And so while well, our timelines are different, our strengths, our, challenges are not the same as our individual kid. So if we can kind of put ourselves in the backseat and look at who they really are, I think that it helps me as a parent. I think it helps a lot of people to gain that perspective.
1: So would you say like when a family who you're working with to support them and kind of you're reframing things, is that where you start? Like what is a A good place for our families who are listening, who don't have the blessing of working with you right now, or maybe they will in the future. But if you were just talking to somebody who said, you know, what would you encourage them to do first when they're starting to have all those feelings come up because there's teens starting to struggle and there's so much uncertainty? What's your first piece of advice? I think my first piece of advice is to try to take their own feelings out of the equation.
0: Oh, so hard. (laughs) It is very, very difficult. I'm not saying it's easy, but I think that that's really the heart of what gets people tripped up. That if they can't find the own way through that's in parallel with their child, then they're going to have a really hard time. So the first piece is really just taking a deep breath, knowing that everyone is great and smart and capable, and that the Whatever that path looks like may be different than what you want or you had. Those are difficult things. Though.
1: They are. Well, I like that you just said every kid's smart because I have, I have three kids and then, and two bonus kids. And I would say all five of our kids are smart in very different ways and academically. Intuitively, like hands on problem solver, take things apart, put them together, mechanical, technical, and then emotionally intelligent and competitive. I mean, those are three different ways that my own three who are wildly different from one another. There's, which is usually the case for most families (laughs) that they're all smart in different ways and. I think a lot of times society, particularly when our kids are in high school, we're defining it, especially when we're trying to get into college for those that are college bound and, and not all of my kids went to college, but it's, the focus is so much on the academic success and the getting in that it can be easy to lose sight of other intelligences. Yes, I think that is very true. And our high schools, I think, do a good job of...
0: Routing people towards these academic opportunities, which, but they're not the only opportunities. And what I like to talk to parents about too is really leaning into your child's strengths. So leading with those in conversations. I know sometimes when we um, have hard conversations with teachers, for instance, it can be a lot of negativity and kids who struggle in school get a lot of negative in their direction. So how can we
1: Help them find what their strengths are, so we can lean into both. So let's talk about that whole like difficult conversations with teachers sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because so your kid starts to struggle, and maybe you're called in, (laughs) or maybe you reach out to have a conversation. Do you have some advice? You know, we've talked about like reframing, just our thinking, right? Focusing on our mindset. But do you have any advice to parents? Like, how do you navigate those types of conversations with the school? No. I think starting with positivity is
0: a great first step. Too often those meetings kind of can become negative or focused too much on the challenges that the child is having, where now we want to try to highlight what things they are doing well and how does that inform how we address the challenges? So. If, for instance, a student is having a hard time turning things in on time, we can identify they're they're really good when they have a deadline, for instance. Maybe the child needs more support in sudden deadlines. Okay, so they're good with the deadline. So we focus on that piece rather than, well, they can't turn anything in on time and just throw our hands up. So we're trying to kind of narrow down to where are the pieces that things are going okay, we're going well. And
1: how do we highlight those to help me,
0: whatever it is in that moment?
1: I love that. You know, it's in my college major and career coaching course, we use the Berkman personality assessment and it is rooted in positive psychology. And, you know, one of our reports in the course is your strengths. And it's literally going through step by step, like your strengths. And it's, we don't have a report called your weaknesses, Because really, when it comes to positive psychology, we don't think it's not, oh, that's a strength and that's a weakness. It's just, I always say, it just is, right? And some people, just like I just went through my three kids, or, you know, let's just say somebody's more extroverted. They might excel in sales, in relationship building. That doesn't mean if you're more introverted that that's a weakness. It's That's your strength is being introverted. So I love that idea of really, I mean, it sounds like if you're going to take that strategy with these school meetings, you really need to get your mind right first and reframe the stuff as well. Yes, that
0: would definitely be my suggestion. And then in terms of just in the meeting, I think leading also with a feeling of collaboration. Too often those meetings with teachers or administrators or whomever in the school can feel adversarial. And so, if we as parents come to it with a, how can we best help my student? Because ultimately, that's our Our goal is always for the child to succeed. So, if we keep that goal in mind, that's our number one goal. For them to succeed, whatever that looks like for them, if mm-hmm. we enter into our relationship with teachers and with that same mindset of, I'm here to support my child. How can we together help them that through this challenge. And I think that goes a long way in terms of collaboration and getting mm-hmm. teacher buy-in on whatever the child is it's just to see them as their, your partners and not an adversary.
1: So sometimes, you know, while this is going on, whether it's academically or something else, actually, as we're speaking, I want to link to a, a previous podcast episode that was about, you know, where there's disciplinary action taken for your child. And it's by an independent college counselor who helps families where their kid actually like, they might have gone to, you know, teen jail or, you know, or they got in big trouble at school and were expelled, which could be one of the issues that you're helping people with as well, where she focuses more on that. You're more of like, okay, helping the parents on reframing and redesigning things. So I'm going to link to that one because I think these two are related. But sometimes the whatever it is is big enough that it starts to derail that dream of what was going to come, bam, immediately after graduation. So let's talk about kind of reframing that in this, I love your approach again, of being positive and collaborative. What are your suggestions to families who all of a sudden maybe their timeline's disappearing and it's not going to happen?
0: Well, I think my first thought would be investing best to, as parents, recognize that the timeline, as we said before, the timeline might be unique. And if now is not the time, I would say as the next step, that doesn't mean that will happen. It just means that right now is not the right. So it's again, sort of that mindset shift, but also opening up yourself to the idea of opportunity. So if that timeline is not, then what happens that your child goes immediately to college or four-year school or whatever you had in your mind what what are other options that lean into those strengths that allow them to gain experience that maybe aren't academic maybe there are opportunities there and that might allow them time maturity that comes with time and experience so there's learning to be had in all sorts of different environments. I think that's another really important thing to put in mind that learning doesn't have to equal classroom learning or, uh, grading.
1: let's dig into that a little bit because I agree. You know, sometimes people will say to me, one of the frequently asked questions when people are considering enrolling in my college major and, and career clarity course is, can this work for? And the, the like different list that I get is my, kid isn't going to college, or my kid isn't sure if they're going to go to college. My kid's already in college, my kid's neurodivergent, my kid already graduated. And the reality is, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, like, as adults, we're all going to work, right? So we go to school 16,000 hours, kindergarten through 12th grade. Yes, that's has been many. many? Oh, that's it's not- how many. Okay, so what you just said, you're like, oh, sh- Nobody can see you because we're on video, but Scotty like touched her chest and went, Oh my gosh, that's a lot. And the average adult works 95,000 hours in their working life. So the reality is whether we have hit some bumps in the road in high school, whether it's, you know, academically or as I said in Hannah's previous episode, it was disciplinary, whether we're neurodivergent, whether we're college bound or not college bound everybody needs to love and thrive in that future path. Mm-hmm. And so, what you just hit there is essential with, that goes along with this 95,000 hours. There are different types of learning. And maybe we're at a point where a different type of learning needs to take place so that we can eventually get to what we love and where we'll thrive. Yes. Absolutely. I think that a
0: different kind of learning can be very, very valuable, especially for kids who struggle in school, because they often feel very unsuccessful and not confident in their ability to learn and grow, because they're getting a lot of negative feedback. Sometimes, for some kids, repeatedly for many, many years. So to give them an opportunity that better fits their learning style or their interests is a
1: place where they can shine and grow in their own way. Is there, like when you talk about these different experiences where they can get a win, are there any examples you have of something to maybe plant some ideas for some parents about what could possibly be like a quick win? Because I know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking the kid who like their teachers are on them, Maybe their parents have been on them. Some dreams maybe are dying, or at least pause has been hit. We don't want something that takes so long to get success that it feels like, ugh, it's, you know, they're not getting that. So any ideas for like quick wins for kids who maybe are in this space? Well, I think that FABs
0: are a great place for kids who have potentially struggled in school. And I'm not personally wed to any particular kind of job. I just think having a job. I mean, it's my teen who struggles at school. He loves working. He doesn't really love the actual work itself, but he loves the independence. And he loves having a paycheck and feeling that go to work and you do the work and then get rewarded for it is a huge boost of self confidence for him. So jobs, I think, are great. But there are also lots of other alternative opportunities, even post-graduation, For students, gap years. I know you've done a couple of episodes about gap years and I think that gap years are
1: a great opportunity. We'll link to those episodes in the show notes because it's because both of those episodes. Well, one of them was a solo and one of them was with a guest, but we just brainstormed ideas. So I think it could help build on what you're saying. Exactly. Whether you, whether you ever go to college or not, it gives great ideas to like, what can bam happen right after graduation? So just to add to.
0: That my stats are always travel, volunteering. I think volunteering is also a great for us to make an impact and feel good about yourself. And that can like even doing something in your own community at home. So volunteering at the Humane Society or the food bank or there are endless opportunities you can find, find. or doing volunteering. There are programs that have housing where you can go spend a month a few weeks, doing something to help others can also help boost that self-esteem and
1: really allow people to share. That is so true. Like It helps us to not focus on ourselves. And sometimes we see through those, see people who are like, oh, perspective on what struggle really is. I want to say something about the job piece as we're wrapping it up. Sometimes I think the college-bound folks are so focused on the high-value extracurriculars and the things like that, and they start to think that colleges will frown upon their kid going out and working. And the reality is some kids have to work to help support the family. And colleges do not frown on having a job. So I love that as a starting place. Like Whether it's volunteering or paid work, that can be a really quick win where they're feeling good about themselves.
0: Yes. And if our goal is to raise our being successful adults, That's our end goal of all her our parents, I think. Giving them a place where they can build about something they've done when school, which is where they spent all of those thousands and thousands of hours, doesn't always feel good to them.
1: We want them to feel successful. I agree. Well, Scotty, lots of great nuggets in there. Parents, you know, one of the things I hear is we're wrapping this up is like, you got to take care of yourself too to reframe what's going on between your two ears and your mind. So if families need extra support, I know you've got resources and whatnot. How can they stay in touch with you, Scotty? Oh, thanks. Yes, they can reach me. You can send me an email. I promise I'll respond to it. It's Scotty
0: S-C-O-T-T-I, at reframeparenting.com. And I have a freebie available that might be of interest to some folks here. It's a summer parent discovery guide, and it's sort of Backs through a couple of reframes. I alluded to a couple of them in this episode, but, and then helps people do some of that taking that challenge and thinking about it as a strength and then using that information to communicate with teachers to have a more successful school year next year. But you could also use that information in a lot of other ways. So you can find
1: that website, reframeparenting.com/ grammar. slash summer. Okay. Reframeparenting.com. And I'm sure they can email you from there and you'll reply yes, to their emails. I will. So, okay. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks, Lisa. It's been really fun. If you're still listening by this point in the episode, you likely have a teen who has struggled in one way or another, and you might be feeling down, unsure about what comes after high school and what to do next. For my College Bound Challenge this week, I encourage you to write a list of your teen's strengths. This will remind you that you all are going to be okay. Then share that list with your teen. It might just be what they need to hear to boost their confidence and help change their path and outlook. Throughout this episode, I mentioned previous episodes that might be helpful to families who have hit some bumps in the road during high school and are trying to figure out what comes next. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. If today's episode was helpful and encouraging to you, please share it with a friend who may benefit too. Sharing, following the podcast, rating and reviewing helps us resource more students to launch into a successful future. Thank you for listening to the College and Career Clarity Podcast, where I help your family move from overwhelmed and confused to motivated, clear and confident about your teen's future.